welcome back to the Journey for Justice podcast mini series. I'm Haley Godbird, and I'm here today with 41 Action News reporter Andres Gutierrez to talk about day eight of Kyler Yuse's double murder trial. The defense continued to call witnesses today, but again, it seemed like the jury spent a lot of the day outside the courtroom. The defense and prosecution spent that time debating whether certain witnesses' testimony was fit to be heard in court, and ultimately, Judge Collins decided five of those witnesses could not go in front of a jury. Um, Andres, hi, first of all. Hi there. I want to talk a little bit more about this process that we've seen today and yesterday to help our listeners understand what's happening in court. So can you explain um, what exactly an offer of proof is and why why the jury is absent for those? It's essentially uh, the opportunity for the judge to give essentially hear a sample of the testimony that this subject would give in front of the jury uh, if it were to happen. Uh, it's to try and understand whether the testimony they're going to provide actually has anything to do with the topic at hand, with the with the trial. And in one instance today, they just didn't see that there was a connection to it, a direct connection. And then is this witness going to be reliable, whether it has a, any credibility to what the, the case is go, going on about? So that's what happens during these back and forths uh, during the questioning before a jury's brought in and they actually get to hear what that person has to say. So in your experience covering trials, is this kind of standard protocol? I feel like we've seen a lot of these offers of proof over the last couple of days, and I, I don't really have a sense of whether that's normal or not. Usually a lot of these occur before the trial actually begins in motion hearings, or they take way before the actual trial begins. It was surprising, actually, speaking with another reporter covering this trial, how unusual this is, how often these are happening right in the middle of the trial. I kind of got the feeling this morning watching the proceedings that the prosecution and judge kind of felt the same way. It seemed like it was a pretty tense courtroom this morning. So the jurors did hear from eight witnesses today. Um, so I want to get into a little bit of that testimony. We heard from a couple of experts, including one uh, who does consulting on police procedures and investigations. Andres, can you talk a little bit about James Trainum's testimony? Yeah, he is a former homicide detective out of Washington, D.C., and he's an expert on what, you know, what could go wrong in police interrogations and what mistakes could be made during an investigation. And he was there just to back up with what the defense has been saying from op the opening statement, saying that there were a ton of mistakes made in the course of the investigation, that procedure wasn't followed and pieces of evidence that should have been taken in weren't taken in, that people that should have been talked with uh, possibly could have been influenced from all the publicity that was happening over the case from the beginning back in 2007 when Cara went missing, then in 2016 when Jessica went missing. And then he, they started off with this whole concept that they think that Kyler never got a fair shake as they view it because Kyler was always the initial uh, person, the, the prime suspect, you know, that they essentially, that investigators went in with, with blinders essentially uh, into trying to find evidence against him specifically, never leaving the option that there could be possibly other suspects out there. Uh, but the prosecution ended up using his testimony as a way to recap to the jury, essentially, hey, here's what has happened so far. 
here's why Kyler is a prime suspect bringing up the alleged abuse uh, to which now there have been a number of people who have gone up on that stand and said, no, we have seen, have heard of instances of abuse involving uh, Kara. And then uh, the defense at one point pointing, uh, the prosecution rather pointing out that, you know, Jessica was on the verge or was practically breaking up with Kyler and Kyler was so desperate to maintain the relationship uh, and that he was just so scared of losing her. And that could have been a motive that jealousy, you know, just recapping some of the testimony that we heard uh, late last week uh, in regards to her case. So actually it's really a, a smart play uh, on the prosecution because sooner or later, we're, we're anticipating that this is gonna go to closing arguments here uh, either tomorrow or on Thursday. Uh, but the prosecution using this this uh, testimony that lasted a majority of the morning uh, for over two hours uh, as a way to recap again what's happened so far and wh why they're here. Yeah, I remember the prosecution this morning calling calling his testimony back and just asking him, you know, if you have a former boyfriend who's been accused of domestic abuse, like why wouldn't he be the focus of the investigation? Um, you know, the defense kind of countered and said, well it's when confirmation bias happens is when it becomes an issue. Um, but I think, I think you, I agree with you that the prosecution did play that testimony pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, the other expert we heard from today was Dr. Rick Snow. He's a forensic anthropologist who testified. Uh, and he talked a little bit about the recovery of the girls' remains. And I know he had a few issues um, with the investigation as far as that goes. Andres, can you run us through what he said? Yeah, what he really had a problem was with the techniques that were used out there at the site where the remains were found. He had a issue with the tools that were used. For example, he said trowels are fine when looking through, when sifting through the soil and the debris out there, but then uh, uh, rakes were used, leaves, you know, that you used, uh, rakes to go ahead and pick up leaves were used. And the issue when he used rakes is that it's easily where some of the potential evidence could easily be swept up with other stuff. And so they're not really conducive to going after little small bits pieces of evidence. Uh, for example, he really said that there was a key piece of evidence potentially, which would have been this small bone that's found around the Adam's apple that would have indicated had they found it, whether or not a strangulation had occurred. And we know that based on testimony, there have been people who've said that they've been told by Kyler who can, you know, that Kyler has confessed to them that they strangled, at least uh, we know that he strangled, or at least people have said that he's done it, uh, that he strangled Kara Kapetsky. Uh, and this forensic anthropologist said, had they found that bone, they would have been uh, helpful in the autopsy to determine whether that had been the case, but they never were able to find that out there at the site. Yeah, I believe that's called the hyoid bone. Our anchor, Caitlin Canute, actually interviewed a different forensic anthropologist yesterday about that bone and what it, what evidence it kind of shows as to the cause of death. Um, that article is available at kshb.com if you would like to learn more about that. Andres, um, lastly, was there any other testimony or anything else in today's proceedings that stood out to you? 
for me, it was the five witnesses that actually never will be testifying in front of the jury. Uh, one of them was this expert in codes. And she was brought in or for the defense because they wanted her to present testimony in this note that was found in Jessup Carter's jail cell uh, soon after he uh, committed suicide. And uh, she went off into doing a deep dive as to potentially how the message left behind was coded, uh, was left in code by Carter, and then the possible codes that could have been used, uh, alluding to what one time to this uh, Hebrew uh, Germanic code that could have possibly been used. The biggest thing for the prosecution was that they don't know, first off, it doesn't, that Carter is not the one on trial here, and that the message could have rep meant so many different things. Uh, you know, one letter, like the letter G could mean girls, guys, you know, at one point, prosecution made light of it, saying it could represent goose, niece. Uh, so uh, they they kept that out, but it it took it kind of went you know went pretty deep in there. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fascinating testimony. Um, that ultimately it won't play any sort of role in the in the conclusion of this trial. Um, Andres, thank you so much for giving us some perspective on what happened today. Court gets started up again at 8.30 tomorrow morning. The defense plans to call more witnesses. The judge also wants to go over some verdict instructions for the jury with the defense and prosecution. Andres mentioned they could go into closing statements soon. As a reminder, you can follow, find all of our episodes, daily live vlogs, and in-depth recaps at kshb.com slash trial. You can also follow our reporters on Twitter. Andres is at AF Gutierrez on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Thanks for listening and check back tomorrow for another update. Thank you.